My name's Jake. I wanted to tell you, make this message, because if anything happens to me and any of my friends, somebody needs to know what's going on. I can't tell you where I live or my last name. You just have to trust me that what I'm talking about is real. This is a real place, a real town. It may even be your town. Welcome to ThoughtSpeak, a podcast dedicated to the weekly discussion of K. Applegate's 1996 book series, Animorphs. My name's Coleman. And my name's Mitchell. This episode, we are getting into the third book, The Encounter, uh, but we'll save that for a little bit later. Right now, I just wanted to ask you, Mitchell, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah? Definitely. Even more so after reading a good book. Hey, spoilers. You are constantly trying to spoil your review at the beginning of each no, show. No, it's it's called foreshadowing. I'm foreshadowing. It's not foreshadowing. It's foreshadowing by saying I read a good book. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. You're foreshadowing aside. I want to take a moment real quick here at the beginning of the show and thank everybody who's downloaded the episodes and subscribed so far. Uh, we've gotten a lot more than we expected. Uh, we were hoping for, but we definitely uh, definitely got what was coming to us. No. We got we got <laughs> hundreds more than what I was expecting. Yeah, it was really cool to see that people are interested in this. Uh, I knew I knew those Animorph fans were out there. I just didn't know how to dig them up. So I guess a podcast will do that. Uh, and and yeah, thanks uh, thanks also to everyone who. Uh, gave us ratings on iTunes and Stitcher. I think we've got like five five star ratings on uh, iTunes alone, and a couple. Yeah, of... very important. Yeah, and that's uh, that's great for just getting the show out there and getting it in front of more people who might not otherwise have searched for an Animorphs podcast. So more reviews the better, just so that we can spread the love of the show and uh, and get more people sitting down where you are right now. It's definitely pushing us into uh, feeling like we're doing something that you're enjoying and and that we can put out each week, and you'll have a good time with it. All right. All right, so I did want to bring up a couple things here before we get into our discussion and review and tearing apart this book from the ground up. In the last couple of years, there's been some interesting news on Animorphs, and since there aren't any other podcasts devoted to Animorphs around to give you your news bits, I guess we're going to have to fill that slot. Hopefully. Yeah, so uh, first off, on December 11th, 2012, about two years ago, people saw that Sony Pictures had registered four domain addresses that may or may not allude to their involvement in an Animorphs movie. Uh, those ones were specifically Animorphs.net, Animorphs-movie.net, Animorphs-movie.com, Animorphs-movie.com. And I don't know. I don't know if that means... Uh, they were just covering their bases in case they ever wanted to do one or you know what i can if if i could be so bold as to make a prediction uh because this actually ties into another thing that i wanted to mention uh the book reprints um i think they were they were obviously uh reprinting the series to to gauge interest in you know more anorps properties maybe a maybe a sequel or maybe this movie um and actually uh something that i wanted to point out was that Thus far, they have reprinted up to book eight, I believe. Um, and there are not currently any plans to continue with the reprints. So that could be uh, a potential red flag, I guess, that uh, maybe the 
the the Animorphs reboot idea lost some steam here if these reprints aren't selling as well as they had thought they would. Well, like I told you the other day, um, I was a little disappointed that they haven't really been pushing a, a really hard strategy uh, for marketing these reprints. Uh, I've bought a few of them now, and they're perfectly fine reprints, and some of the things they've done to the canon is excellent. I mean, it fixes some things. It, uh, it you know updates some things that are fine and don't don't affect the classic narrative at all uh but i haven't seen any advertisements or any big pushes other than that terrible terrible book trailer they put out uh wait book trailer yeah you don't see that no i don't think so yeah they, they <laughs> you can find it on animorphs.net or .com or scholastic.animorphs.bookseries hyphen youtube youtube in it <laughs> yeah they made a book trailer and it's it's pretty pretty wacky um <laughs> but yeah so i I mean, they they haven't done just I don't I don't I don't think they've done the series justice. They didn't go full force into promoting these reprints, and I think that might have hurt it a little bit. Well, yeah, but I, I I would have to say I I don't really blame them for that. I mean, it is a, a fairly old property. I don't think that's necessarily where their marketing teams at. I guess <laughs> at the moment. I guess, but look at Ender's Game and book series like that. Those have those are much older than Animorphs, and they've been able to do a big revival for that that is true but in the case of ender's game at least um uh there there was a ginormous fan base and following for that uh as well as the new movie coming out uh i, I think definitely did it but yeah i guess you know if sony pictures did want to put out an animorphs movie um that probably would spur on the the uh reprint revival effort <laughs> yeah i mean i don't get me wrong. I'm just a lowly podcaster as far as you guys are concerned uh, listening to this right now. But I feel like if they had just gone, if they were making these reprints to try to see or gauge interest in a possible sequel series or a movie or whatever, uh, I think if they had just gotten Kay Applegate, who, you know, she said in her AMA and, and a couple of interviews that she's completely interested in writing more Animorphs. If they had just gone ahead and gotten Kay Applegate to write book number 65, I think that would have been all the promotion they needed. So many people would have been so excited to see where this series goes next that it would have word of mouth would have promoted itself, at least for a certain bracket and generation. And I think that where at least, you know, Hollywood is concerned, uh, I think they're mostly thinking about, you know, reboot. Um, and I don't think uh, reprinting the entire run of the book series really is going to, uh, have a lot to do with that but i think as an older reader now i i would prefer to instead of reprinting you know the single books book one book two all the way up what i would have liked to see is more of a anthology kind of collection if they had done you know books one through ten in a huge book uh that's that's what i'd be more interested in collecting than rebuying all you know 60 some books in the series i would have bought that in a heartbeat i mean even if it was like one through 19 or something uh something crazy like that and it was you know 50 dollars hardcover with all the animorphs just changing on the front cover with holograms I, I would have picked that up immediately the animorphs tome oh yeah the saga but no that's so that's that's interesting they registered these domain names nothing's come of it yet obviously we're two years out from when that happened uh, but it's, it's, it's news, I guess it's, if, if anybody from Scholastic is listening to this right now, stop the individual reprints, 
focus on a wider, a bigger collection of the of the series. That's what us older fans would likely want. Or again, like I said, not to reiterate too much, but put out book sixty five. If you had if you had a new Animorphs book that sold out, got on the New York Times bestseller list, Hollywood with their huge, you know, turn on for young adult novels being turned into movies right now, if they would see that, I think would immediately option that or get some scripts written or something. Uh, you know, but Haley Joel Osment as Jake. Um, there's something I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying they they would make it happen. I mean, that's that's all you need for a young adult book. Everyone's looking for the new young adult book series. Why not take the old one that's already good? That could work. So the other bit of news, uh, a little more recent than that, and I'm I'm, I'm mostly talking about mainstream, you know, pop culture news, not just you know all the great forums and and people. I'm hip. Yeah, I know. I get my news from MTV. <laughs> MTVnews.com. Um, no, this actually comes from Entertainment Weekly. It's published on November 14th, 2013. And uh, it's basically they have a segment called Adapt This, where they just, I don't know, using their huge audience, they pitch uh, an adaptation of a famous book series. or, or uh, They have some kind of rules set up for how which ones they choose or what they have to fall under to be able to get into this category but they basically pitched a new animorph series and they reference the tv show and they talk about its mistakes and its failings and stuff and they talk about how you could do it either as a mid-priced tv show or uh or as a full-on movie series again and it's just i don't know i just found it i found it really interesting that entertainment weekly has i, I guess at least one big animorphs fan who uh was just dying to see some new content and some new adaptations it was me i'll admit <laughs> ghost written it ghost wrote I it i wish <laughs> um yeah so those are those are the only two things in the last uh, uh i don't know couple of years i guess uh, any kind of new news on as far as like adapting animorphs i'm sure there was right. tons of news back in the day yeah and, and other than hearing about the uh the reprints not doing so well that's the last bit of info i have as well yeah, so... So buy the reprints, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about buying all eight of the reprints. Uh, it wouldn't do anything, really. I've already got three of them, but, uh, you know, just show a little support for the series. Not, that... not unless every single Animorphs fan came together, bought all eight of the reprints, took pictures of all eight of their reprints that they just purchased, and then sent those photos to Sony Pictures. Yeah. I think that's what they want to see. <laughs> or even better, a competitor studio. Or or I guess maybe just one person could buy all eight, take a picture from several angles, and then everyone can send <laughs> different pictures. No, we need to uh, get those free ebook versions that people have made of Animorphs. Uh, get those on torrenting sites, because everybody knows the studios watch and see what's torrented the most nowadays. They have they release lists like every month. So get get the free Animorphs ebooks torrenting all these sites everybody start downloading them and then we'll uh, <laughs> we'll raise interest at the hollywood level that could work it just might be crazy enough to work maybe i think everybody should subscribe to the i don't know if there's any animorph podcasts out there i guess if a ton of people started subscribing to one that would send a message a powerful message i'm, I'm willing to bet uh, uh an animorphs podcast with a dedicated fan following that'll surely tip the scales in the animorphs favor <laughs> we'll have like a i don't know thousand man 
slash woman march on Sony Pictures lot. No, the... even better. Let's do a let's do a thousand animal march. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> let's get a bunch of endangered species and just release them on the Sony Pictures back lot. Uh I, I they, there there's been crazier plans to save you know shows and and properties and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so that's our. Uh, I'm not gonna say that this is gonna be a recurring news segment because I don't think, unfortunately, there's not enough news to go around every week. But well, we can make up news, <laughs> but that won't help anything. I heard that Kay Applegate is um, she's becoming a dog groomer. That, that's, that that's is probably <laughs> the worst piece of made up news that anybody <laughs> could have made up. Well, man, I'm excited to talk about book three. What do you think? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump in. bodies were now hosts harboring an alien form of life, a cosmic form, which to survive must take over every human man. So I ran, I ran. They're after you! They're after all of us! Our wives, our children, everyone! They're here already! You're next! You're next! You're next! You're next! You're next! Okay, so, book three, The Encounter. We're getting through them now. We're already the third book out of 65 or 66, if we want to do Alternamorphs. Alternamorphs? <laughs> Alternamorphs? Uh, I don't know. No. No, book three. Book three is a big one. It was definitely one I was looking forward to. Uh, I, everything I can remember about it before I had done my reread is... I, I have nothing but good things to say about it. Yeah, I... <laughs> strangely didn't remember a whole lot of it um but the 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 parts that i rediscovered were uh were good <laughs> <laughs> i if only i had your <laughs> suaveness yeah i i didn't remember a whole lot from the encounter but um upon rereading it i discovered that yeah this is this is definitely one of the uh good Animorphs books, I can I can firmly say. Before I read this back of the book summary, uh you had you had one note about the beginning of the book that you wanted to mention? Yeah, well I just think it's cool that uh right before right before chapter one, uh there's a little page that just says the author wishes to thank the Raptor Center at the University of Minnesota. And for uh anyone who didn't know, which I'm sure is probably everybody, I live in Minnesota. So. I actually revealed our locations on Reddit uh, when I was talking to some people who were talking about the first episode. I, I told them that I was from Texas, and you are you are the worst animorph ever. <laughs> <laughs> just just any old random redditor. Did you hand over your social security number? <laughs> Was I not supposed to? They got to How else are they gonna find me on Twitter? <laughs> uh, and to reiterate, not from Texas. I live in Texas currently, but I'm from West Virginia. <laughs> Well, I am from Minnesota, I live in Minnesota, and the author clearly got all of her information about Hawks from, where else, Minnesota. No, that is cool that she took that much time, because I mean, I'm sure she did a lot of animal research throughout the series, but it seems like she went the extra mile to really nail Tobias. Yeah, well, you know, this is why I'm so excited, is because uh, Tobias is such a different character from everybody else, being trapped in the body of a hawk, and I think almost every reader upon finishing that first book and realizing one of the characters is now a bird 
kind of, you know, had that moment where they thought, well, how's that going to work for the rest of the series with one of the main characters as a bird? Really? Yeah. And I don't I don't remember it. I don't remember it initially, but it must have been cool to get to that. You know, even the second book and then especially the third to be like, I don't think he's changing back, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's still maybe a moment of doubt where, yeah, it's you're you're kind of wondering, really? He's a bird for the rest of the series? Yes. Yes, he is. Let's uh, read a book about it now. And that's why I think this definitely sets this book apart and, and most of Tobias's books as well just because they're they're from this different perspective. I would go as far as to say that this particular book influences a lot of the books down the road where we go down weird paths like into the minds of Yurks or other alien species or just getting different insights. And then just the main, the main reason these books were written to get into the mind of animals. So this is definitely an important book, I, I would assume, to Kay Applegate in writing them. So let me, uh, let me read the back. Uh, to warn or I don't know, reveal to everyone this is the last reprint i have so this is from the new reprints so there's a couple small differences a couple changes within the book just to update it for our modern fast-paced world um <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump right into the summary when tobias and his friends were given the power to morph they were also given an important warning never stay in a morph for more than two hours but tobias broke the time limit and now he's trapped in the body of a hawk forever. Tobias won't give up, though. They all made a promise to fight, so when he discovers an important Yurk secret, he knows he has to do everything in his power to destroy it. But to do so, Tobias will have to contend with a part of himself that's wrestling for control, a part that isn't human. Huh. Yeah, that is uh, quite a bit different, actually, than the original. Yeah, it goes a bit more into uh, what the book is actually about, whereas in the original, it's kind of a generic description really of of the broader series i guess on nickelodeon (laughs) check out sean ashmore this week on animorphs the tv show (laughs) um okay well yeah you want to you want to lead us into the main body the main storyline i would love to and like all animorphs books before it and surely those to come after there is a nice couple of chapters here that just sort of recap uh, you know, who our characters are, what they're doing, why they are currently birds. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, this comes to my first note, which I actually marked the first page of the fir- of this book because uh, I have an important note about it. And the note I wrote down was, my name is Depression. Like, it's, it's already right in his intro to my name is Tobias, and, you know, the same intro that everybody else does it's already like crazy sad. Like he's already like feeling sorry for himself and like in his intro to who he is. (laughs) Well, it has kind of become his defining characteristic at this moment is yeah, he's, he's the depressing anamorph because he's the one that they just see as a, as a constant warning. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just right out of the gate, they were ready for it. So, and then after that, after his, you know, introduction, we go into this, crazy deal and dan section so our opening or recap for this book starts with uh tobias and rachel deciding that they are going to ruin this car dealership commercial taping yeah he's just basically tobias is hanging out over top this dealership as they're about to shoot a commercial and then he just dives and goes for the birdcage which which houses another red-tailed hawk caged by 
dealing Dan, the uh, owner of the car dealership, who's just using it to be basically a, a mascot for his crappy little car dealership. It's a uh, yeah, it's his it's his marketing campaign, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So Tobias in hawk form is going to attack these three people uh, just in the middle of this car dealership. And we find out a few minutes later that Rachel is also part of the plan. She just missed her bus or something. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Well, maybe she was uh, just waiting to surprise everybody. Um, I think more surprising is the fact that Tobias and Rachel are working together on, on this little side project without anybody else's consent or permission. Yeah, this is this is definitely... Uh, it, seems, it seems pre-planned, but it's definitely a heat of the moment. Hey, this guy's got a hawk. Let's get him. <laughs> well, you know, we're kids and we can change into animals. Why not? Yeah, so they, they bust up his commercial... Uh, which is being shot live for no reason. I didn't understand that at all. Well, that's being... how they used to shoot commercials. Every, really? every commercial was done. Li- no, not really. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what are you talking about? I, I know you got a broadcast uh, background, so I don't know. Maybe you have more knowledge than I do on that. Uh, no, no. We did a million takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're for some reason shooting this commercial live, uh, which really is just a plot device so that uh, Jake and the rest of them can see Rachel and uh, Tobias attack this guy in his car dealership, and oh. uh, and yeah, and Tobias he sets the other hawk free, which uh, is going to become extremely important throughout the rest of the book. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a female hawk. It's it's nothing weird though. Tobias uh, definitely mentions that he's not interested in hawks. <laughs> he's not interested in that way right now. Later on, <laughs> he gets a little interested. Well, so after uh, after mucking up this whole car dealership commercial and freeing, you know, Tobias's comrade in in arms or comrade in wings, I guess, uh, <laughs> we get a little a little chit chat between the two of them as they're escaping, um, and you definitely get to see that their their relationship has changed in that I guess they're they're much closer now. Uh, I have to suspect that they didn't have a lot of interaction before uh, encountering a dying alien, but uh, now they're they're very buddy buddy. It seems. Yeah, probably just a lot of sideways glances down the hall uh, at school and stuff like that. Because you know, I I don't think this just happened after the Andalite encounter. I mean, and this is they're pretty close already. <laughs> well, and I think it definitely helps that uh, Rachel's kind of the you know destructive <laughs> impulsive one that's going to go along with Tobias's crazy plan. Yeah. And uh after this after they're, you know, having this conversation and they've left the dealership, uh we get a little more of a recap um talking about Tobias's how he changed and how he got stuck as a hawk and his feelings on that. And uh just just to reference my notes again, the note I wrote here was recap, also depressing. <laughs> well, I don't know how you can Okay, I'm glad that they're that she's going the the depressing route with it because it's realistic. If they had tried to, you know, Disney it up with one character being totally fine that he's a bird now and playing it off like it isn't anything, that would be, you know, dishonest, I guess. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm 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 saying these things are depressing. I'm I'm not saying they're bad. They're excellent and they fit the tone of this book perfectly. I didn't think that's what you meant, but okay. Yeah, back off. <laughs> <laughs> um 
So yeah, so after that, well, Rachel first demorphs from elephant as they're as they're chatting and and they make mention that they can hear the cops coming and oh, I hope these I hope they're not controllers and that's another excuse to drop a little bit more info. They're talking about how everyone in their group is going to chew them out later. So later, Tobias is flying around, uh, kind of just, you know, giving us some general insight on what it's like being a bird, and for the time being, it seems okay. Yeah, and he's waiting for the other Animorphs to get out of school, and he's kind of bored. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He doesn't go to school anymore. So he's flying around the city, talking about the lovely thermals, enjoying those. Thermals. <laughs> And this is when he uh, kind of notices something strange flying above the city. And uh, the way he notices is it, at, at first he, he kind of senses it or feels it. And I think he can he points out that he can he can see a little something in the air, but he's not sure what it is. It, it definitely looks invisible. Well, I, he, the one thing that he does take away from it is that it's absolutely massive. Yes, uh, the, the size of it. He, he gets a good... Uh, sense of it just being enormous so right away he knows that this is something probably york related <laughs> after he gets done you know trying to wrap his head around what just happened in this huge invisible something that flew away um right over his head he finally uh meets up with the other animorphs who are out of school and they had i guess all decided to meet up uh over at rachel's are they at rachel's i think mm. well they, they all decided to meet up at one of their houses and uh immediately as they predicted marco just starts yelling at them yeah actually uh tobias even points out and this is another little little moment between him and rachel with their uh relationship building here where tobias says you know uh I, I predict Marco's first words are going to be, are you insane? And Rachel kind of gives him a little flirty wink. <laughs> and of course, Marco's first words are, are you insane? Yeah, it's uh, it's a word Marco's going to be familiar with throughout the rest of the series. <laughs> Overly familiar with. Um, but yeah, but, they, they get chastised for pulling this stupid stunt. I mean, 100% stupid. It's worthless. It did nothing. Sure, they freed this hawk, but that's not going to end the best way ever. But uh, yeah, and, and being a live TV commercial, obviously everyone's uh, concerned about you know controllers maybe seeing it. And uh, I thought, ironically, um, Marco is is the one who's obviously in the most opposition to this, and he points out that uh, you're not supposed to be saving you know hawks. We're supposed to be saving humans from the Yerks, and and <laughs> and Tobias. Tobias directly calls him out by saying, I thought you didn't want to save the world. And this kind of corners Marco where he's like, well, yeah, but I got to watch after you guys. <laughs> yeah. And even when they were actually pulling off the uh, great hawk heist, uh, Rachel, the crazed, bloodthirsty, adrenaline, adrenaline fueled junkie, uh, even warns like, hey, shouldn't we wait until the commercial's over at least? <laughs> <laughs> right. But after the meeting's over, uh, we do get a a a, a twinge of uh, even kind of more depressing talk where Jake's like, "Hey, Tobias, uh, I'll leave some food up in the attic for you." Yeah, that's another important thing is that we learned Tobias is now living in Jake's attic, <laughs> being fed table scraps. But yeah, he's he's living in Jake's attic, so that's just depressing all there. 
Already. Uh, after their meeting, we cut to the next day when Tobias is out flying around the city, and uh, we just get a little bit more background information on him and kind of his, his family life and upbringing. He mentions that both of his parents are dead, and um, he's got an aunt and an uncle who apparently hate each other and live in different parts of the country. And uh, the way they manage to explain away his uh, disappearance to his remaining family members is... I think they, they said they sent letters to the aunt and the uncle saying yeah, that Jake, Tobias was staying with either of them. Yeah, Jake Jake sent letters to his aunt and uncle uh, telling them that he's with the other one. So it should buy him some time. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but uh, while he's out thinking about all this stuff and thinking about his family and giving us a little exposition, um, we get our second encounter with this invisible whatever. Yeah, and actually this time I thought um, in kind of a morbid-like scene, if this were, you know, in a movie, uh, we get an entire flock of geese kind of slamming into this invisible ship because they can't see it. And uh, Tobias makes a, a, a point of mentioning, like, you know, geese are, are fragile creatures and uh, they're they're pretty, well, they're, they're dead from this. Yeah, and uh, it's funny that you mention it's like something from a movie. Because I specifically wrote down the fact that this is almost identical to a scene uh, in the movie Signs with M. Night Shyamalan's, the M. Night Shyamalan movie Signs, where Joaquin Phoenix's character is talking about how earlier, uh, you know, there's these lights above the city, but during the day, uh, a flock of geese or ducks or something like that uh, were caught on camera flying into one of the spaces where the lights were, and they all just crumpled and fell to the ground. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think it was just one bird, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bird or geese or whatever. Doesn't matter. Point is, M. Night Shyamalan. Animorphs fan? <laughs> I hope not. I, I hope he's more of a fan than he is of The Last Airbender, because uh, <laughs> I, I will go ahead and reveal to our listeners that I'm still holding that hope. I'm, I was a big supporter of M. Night Shyamalan back in the day, and, and he's he's fallen from grace. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I'm I'm hoping for a comeback, and if he, if his comeback is an awesome Animorphs movie, I'll I'll support it. No, don't let him anywhere near Animorphs. I don't care if he comes out and does Jurassic Park four perfectly. No, it's he's not doing that. It's already being it's being directed by the guy who did Monsters. No, nope, too late. M Night Shyamalan no. presents Jurassic Park. It's a bold faced lie. <laughs> regardless uh so after after tobias sees these geese all instantly deterated from this invisible <laughs> ship he he knows something's up and he realizes that this ship is uh kind of flying in a direction towards the mountains um i don't know how he you know <laughs> takes stock of an invisible ship and what direction it's floating in but uh, I guess he's able to see that it's. it looks like it's heading out of town towards the mountains. I'm sure the thermals were affected and he could read them so that he could figure <laughs> out which direction it was going. No, I think massive, you know, even invisible ship, it's going to, you know, have some wind currents with it and you're going to be able to get, if he can kind of see it anyway, I'm sure he's going to get a sense of which direction it's moving. And this is, it's actually moving the opposite direction of where he uh, uh, felt it was going the day before. So he's now seen it come back from somewhere and then go somewhere. So well, and I, I guess you could say that, you know, 
he's he's watching it in the sky and he's, he doesn't have anything better to do with his time so he's probably staring at it for like hours <laughs> yeah. thinking about which way it's going yeah well anyway he, he discovers uh that it's moving somewhere and uh the next scene we get is everybody meeting again at cassie's barn to kind of for for tobias to breach the subject and tell everyone about his discovery and um they they also of course as they usually do in these first couple of books as discuss if they even should continue doing anything and uh marco is of course the main proponent of that yeah and he jumps in with uh his reasonings and he's kind of i guess still kind of pissed from uh the day before and being upstaged by them or being kind of told down by tobias because he throws it back in their faces that oh you guys are trying to save the world well what was yesterday you were just trying to save some stupid bird and that's a that's a line that hits a little too close to home for tobias yeah and you know while while marco and and tobias are having their little debate uh rachel actually gets pretty fired up over this and uh rachel and marco get into a little altercation because of marco's uh what would you even call it this has it no <laughs> because of marco's hesitation to continue fighting yeah and this leads to a pretty cool little speech by tobias where uh he says he's, you know he's not a leader but he's gonna do something he doesn't he doesn't care what anybody else can do he's definitely gonna step up and and go figure out what this thing is that it's probably yerk related and he's gonna do something about it and uh this leads to jake basically saying uh you know you have my sword and marco then follows up with and my axe <laughs> not literally well but, yeah um, so everyone's in yeah, Jake says, the, you know, the mountains mission. Yeah, and Jake, I mean, Jake says, he, you know, you say you're not a leader, but I'll follow you, and that's that's <laughs> it's a pretty cool line. It is. I can totally imagine it in a movie. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, ever everyone's in for this this mountain mission, but as they point out, you know, getting to the mountains is uh, not going to be an easy task, especially since flying really isn't going to work since their their bird morphs don't all match. You know what I had thought, though, is why don't they just go ahead and acquire the same type of bird so that they could fly there together? They have okay. to have access. They have to have access to the birds. They have to find a bird that, you know, flies in a flock, uh, you know. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's basically just paranoia here at the beginning. They're worried about this, but obviously later on they fly together. They just try to stay about a mile apart from each other yeah and i don't see why that couldn't have worked here in this case it could have it could have i think it's just growing pains they don't know any better now that and we also get this nice side plan which is a, a lot more interesting I, I guess where they decide to morph wolves yeah it's cool i mean we got to get a new morph and uh this is a pretty important morph they use this one quite a bit throughout the series yeah it's it's definitely going to be a recurring one for uh well, Cassie, who is the first one to morph wolf. She yeah. falls She falls in love with this morph. It's the first good decision she makes in the series. Well, and at this point, let's see. what What's Cassie's morph list here? Uh, we've got, she's got a horse morph and a bird morph. And uh, that's about it, isn't it? Pretty much it. So this is, this is her really getting a battle morph. So, which is cool. It's a wolf. I mean, it's a powerful creature. She's, she, she does a lot with it in the future. Yeah, and so they all decide to 
acquire and morph wolf and uh the plan is basically to just run through a forest that you know after several miles it'll take them to an area where they think the ship is heading towards yeah they're they're basically just following tobias's intuition at this point uh they they don't even know if this whole ship thing exists but it's cool to see that they're i don't know if it's just pity or if they actually trust him but they follow along with his plan yeah so after everyone's morphed wolf um, they had to make the decision that uh, one of them had to be the alpha male wolf, while everyone else acquires female wolves. And after flipping a coin for it between Jake and Marco, Jake just happened to win that coin flip and uh, gets to be the alpha male. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, and we get a couple cool scenes here where they're traveling where uh, <laughs> they they make a joke because Jake won't stop peeing on everything because he's the alpha male and he's basically marking out a big territory. And uh, at one point, they all stop and start howling for no reason. And they try to explain it away, but really, they all feel just kind of silly afterwards. Well, and we get to see all this behavior from the eyes of Tobias, who is, you know, a hawk and so, I guess, doesn't understand the wolf instincts or anything like that. But Tobias is routinely calling him out like, what are you guys doing? You need to stop howling and stuff. Well, once they actually get to this kind of lake area, they kind of they have this moment of well is anything actually going on is is are we are we here for no reason they don't have a ton of time left in morph but they're you know they're waiting and seeing what happens and right as they're starting to you know lose a little faith uh they have some park rangers come in some helicopters and humvees and all these crazy vehicles that park rangers usually wouldn't have and suddenly we start seeing some hork bajir as well and that definitely gives the clue that uh, the Yerks are here. They're doing something. It probably has to do with that huge invisible thing. Yeah. And uh, Tobias is the uh, only one who sees this at first uh, because he's gone ahead to scout out the area as, you know, the group's eye in the sky. That's kind of his uh, role throughout the series. And uh, after seeing, you know, these these park rangers with automatic machine guns and, and the hork as well, uh, he goes back to try and warn his friends and accidentally ends up running into an actual wolf pack that winds up attacking him. Yeah, he barely gets out alive. Yeah, well, he loses a tail feather, as is, as is usual. Yeah, it happens a lot in this book. <laughs> <laughs> so he he does manage to escape and go find his friends and warn them, of course. But uh, nice little moment of tension there, I suppose. Yeah, and they uh, they all go and... They're more on board now, now that things are happening, and there's definitely more of a clue that this is York-related. Uh, they all head down closer to the lake, uh, trying to see that's, that seems where that seems to be where most of the action's happening. And as they get down there, there's something I wanted to bring up. Uh, it says that one of the park rangers sees them, and he calms down, because it's, oh, it's just another, it's just a pack of wolves. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's just because he's a York, but I would expect anyone, even a park ranger, who's out by himself in the woods, he sees a pack of wolves to you know f- have more of a strong reaction than calming down or or turning his back on them or whatever. <laughs> well, he's probably just a big Twilight fan. Probably. He's like, oh, Jake. <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> and, it, and it actually is Jake. Yeah, yeah. It's, whoa. Cross, <laughs> cross over these series. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. so I, I thought it's crazy that some random, even a park ranger, and I know, I know they even talk about how wolves are being reintroduced to the wild during this time and in this area. It's still crazy to me that he would see this huge pack of wolves, and uh, 
and be pretty cool about it and kind of just go about his business. Well, this is the moment when the uh, the giant invisible airship decides to stop being so invisible. And uh, <laughs> as it appears, we get that, yeah, it, it's gigantic. It's basically a huge truck. Yeah, it's it's. they say it's about the size of a aircraft carrier. So, yeah, that's big. Yeah, definitely. And as they're watching it, they see... Uh, you know, ports opening up, and uh, they notice these huge scoops on the sides of it, um, and it, it, they determine, callously maybe, but they they decide that it's uh, basically a huge truck that's coming down for oxygen and and water to bring back up to the mothership. Well, anyway, the uh, the giant tanker is uh, draining the mountain lake, and uh, in case anybody had any doubts which I'm sure they didn't, uh, several bug fighters were, were with it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a yard ship for sure. Yeah. And so they're, they're basically collecting resources and that's why it had to come down into the atmosphere. And so it could get as much oxygen as possible and suck up water with these things. And as they're watching this and freaking out because of the size of it, we have a little, uh, little breakdown from Marco, uh, again of, you know, if they have something this big, how many of these do they have? How can we possibly do anything about this? Yeah, and in fact, they they decide their only course of action for right now is to retreat, which they do. And on their way out, Tobias just happens to you know get a little tingle of happiness seeing the uh, female hawk that he managed to free at the beginning of the book, flying free, flying beautiful. Yeah, and America. he can't completely understand it. <laughs> it's not it's not completely based on uh, you know being happy to see that he succeeded in his mission to free her. Uh, there's something else there. There's something, you know, drawing him to her. And it's it's not it's not him. It's not his human side. No, no, it's it's all Hawk. Yeah. After he has this encounter uh, with the girl Hawk that he freed, the female uh, version of himself, he goes back to find the Animorphs. And he finds them in a little bit of a precarious situation. They're in a pickle. Yeah, it's definitely a pickle. Uh, they have run into the wolves that Tobias had almost been killed by earlier, and they just are in a showdown because apparently these wolves had just killed a rabbit, and they're ready to fight to the death for it. Apparently, well, yeah, that's that's what animals do. They have to they have to fight to the death for this, uh, this animal roadkill, and uh, <laughs> Tobias comes in and you know he he tries to talk his friends out of it but they're like oh we're locked in this struggle they're half scared because you know they don't know what to do and they're afraid to make any sudden movements because they might attack and i think they're half i think whenever they get really scared or, or really into a fight or something i think they do slip a little bit into that animal instinct and the animal instinct says we need to stand our ground yeah i'm i'm sure i'm sure the animal instincts were overpowering as well but tobias being the the clever bird that he is uh, just manages to swoop in and take the rabbit, ending the conflict. I think he uh, might lose a, another couple of tail feathers in the process, but he comes out okay. Yeah, and it gets them it, it gets them out of that particular pickle, as you put it. Yeah, uh, and then right into another one because as they're on their way and trying to get out of this territory, these other wolves they make a comment to tobias being like you know how are we doing on time what's what's our time limit on uh, our morphs yet which they've already been in for quite a while they haven't morphed out at any point since they traveled you know the 20 miles up to this 
lake. Uh, so Tobias goes and checks that out. Yeah, and he finds a uh, one of the controller's trucks nearby, and with his amazing hawk eyesight, he uh, can see that they have already, at least by this truck's clock, I guess, uh, they've gone several minutes over their time limit. So, yeah, he panics and hightails it back to his friends, warning them to demorph. He rushes back, tells them that they're really close to the time limit, even though he thinks that they're probably over it. And they they obviously, and for good reason, uh, flip out and start morphing back uh, immediately. But it's not going completely well. It's 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 a little slow. It's not acting normal. No, I would say that um, they they're probably right on that cusp of of the time limit. And you know who knows if it's a solid two hours exactly, or anything like that. But um, I would imagine that the the closer you get to that time limit, the more and more sticky the morph gets. Yeah, I think I think that's what she implied, and I, I like that. I think you could probably. I think you could probably go over the two-hour time limit. It would just get harder and harder to get back to your normal form. And, and there wouldn't that, be a Yeah, that, that could be what they're period. experiencing here. Yeah, I mean, they're probably one or two minutes over. And it's just even even that close to the time limit, uh, they're, they're struggling. They do struggle a lot, but they end up all making it out just fine. Because... Thanks to Cassie. <laughs> because this is book three and there's no way anybody else is going to get stuck in morph this early on. Yeah. Cassie is able to get out first because she's just awesome. She's gold star, number one morpher in the group. She's um, an A plus. Exactly. And she, she talks her bay back into their original forms, which uh, that's good. You know, who knows if they would have made it without her? Maybe, probably, but uh, she definitely <laughs> boosted morale there for a moment. Well, and the happy moment, the triumphant moment of everybody managing to morph out has kind of a, a bad effect on Tobias. Um, just seeing his friends, you know, so close to becoming what he himself was, or even something stuck halfway in between. Uh, he, he definitely fears for a moment that his friends are going to be trapped between morphs and be some kind of, you know, f- half-human, half-wolf freak. And... Uh, after seeing all of his friends barely manage to make it out of their morphs, he kind of loses it himself, and he he really does not want to be trapped in his hawk morph anymore. Well, I like I like that they keep it ambiguous. It's not it's not really it doesn't tell you what his reaction is or why he flies off all suddenly. Uh, I think you could interpret that a couple ways. I think he, he, I mean, I think the most up or I think the most I think the most messed up interpretation of that scene is that maybe for a second. He was almost glad uh, that maybe he'd have other people trapped in a morph that could relate to him and, you know, would be on his side. I, that's most likely not how it is, but I think there's a bunch of different ways you could interpret that scene. He almost explicitly states um, he's sick with the feeling of being trapped forever. After Tobias loses control of himself and flies away, um, he goes home to Jake's attic to eat some of the food that Jake left for him, um, which he, he points out that, you know, hawks, even though Jake left him, you know, bits of meat and some potatoes and vegetables, all the hawks really can eat is is the meat. But he, he, he can't tell Jake that because he feels like he's going to hurt his feelings or something. Yeah, and he just forces that down because it's cold, you know, burnt, cooked meat. That's not That's not what a hawk wants. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, and after hanging out in Jake's... So, yeah, so yeah, so he scarfs down this food or whatever, and he talks about how he can't handle... His his bird morph can't handle uh, that that food. It's, you know, a hawk's not made to process green beans and mashed potatoes. So I, I wanted to raise this question to you, to you, Mitchell. So if, if, if Cassie eats a Hershey's bar and morphs into a dog, is she gonna is she gonna get sick? Is she gonna fall over and die? What happens to that food that's in her stomach? We don't know that, and as well, know. far as I know, I don't think we they I don't think they ever address that. What I know. happens to stomach content <laughs> and this between is stuff, morphs. This is what I want to know because I mean, I mean, technically at that point, it's it's being processed by your body, so maybe that goes to uh, wherever the rest of their body goes. That's brought up later in the series. The uh, shoved into you know that place I won't mention yet, but hell no zero space, but <laughs> I know. Yeah. But, um, I just found that, I found that interesting because a lot of animals can't handle a lot of f- human food uh, and they morph into a lot of animals. So, but I guess, I guess morphing into a flea or a fly, that food can't be there because it's bigger than them. So I guess it does go to zero space. I I think it's safe to assume that, yeah, you know, whatever's in their stomachs, Whatever's in their bowels probably all goes to Z-Space. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, after uh, after we get a little bit of information about Tobias's eating habits, uh, he decides that the attic is, is uh, boring him for the evening and decides to go see his girl crush, Rachel. He leaves the attic because it's, it's just horrible. He's living in an attic in a drawer with a, you know, an extra comforter in it. So, uh, yeah, he can't stand there very long. Um, so yeah, he he definitely gets out of there as soon as possible and heads to his favorite uh perch, you might call it, Rachel's. Yeah, and you know, I I don't really blame him so far. Rachel, I think has been probably the most accepting of him. I I, I mean, he's not he's obviously not going to go to Marcos for any sort of comfort and he even states in the book, uh, I don't think Marco and I will ever be close. Yeah, I mean, that. it'd be weird even though like if he went over to cassie's or something i'm sure she'd you know sit down and talk and and hear him out or whatever but i think with rachel it's 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 not pity and that's that's what he needs he needs someone who's going to talk to him like a person still tobias goes to talk to rachel to basically confide in her that you know he he thinks he's he's starting to lose himself to the hawk and uh she she tries her best to kind of comfort him but I, i don't think it really has any effect no, not really. Uh, she does give him a picture of himself, which I thought this is what um, this is why I think that there was something going on before the encounter with the Andalite, because why I mean, Rachel has had this picture of Tobias, an older picture of him for a while. So I think she I think without him knowing she was probably interested in him for a while and it was just kind of a crush. And now they're forced together by fate. There's something else. <laughs> we need a Tobias Rachel prequel. Oh yeah, Pre- an entire prequel series where they're just passing notes in their seventh grade. Not even that. It's just it's classroom. just it's just Rachel passing notes to Cassie, being like, "What do you think of that Tobias kid?" And oh. and Cassie's just like that smelly kid in the back who doesn't. Well, change his he's clothes. not Jake, so. Well, he doesn't seem very leadery. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. So, so she gives him a picture of himself, and it, it raises his spirits a little bit. It's it's the right thing at the right time. 
Well, what she's constantly doing is reminding him of his humanity. She's, you know, reinforcing this this uh, idea that he's, he's not a hawk, even though he's trapped in the body of a hawk. She keeps bringing him back to this, this human state. Uh, so, so Tobias goes home to his attic. He sleeps it off, uh, flies around the next day. And Jake, uh, Jake calls another meeting. And where does Jake call the meeting? At Jake's house. An official meeting of the Animorphs at Jake's house with a controller who lives there. I just thought that was the dumbest thing in the world. Well, Tobias watched, you know, Tom leave the house and, and go to his meeting of the sharing. So it, it's reasonable to assume that they've got some time. It's still, they have plenty of places to meet. They don't need to switch off to be nice. They can, they can go ahead and skip Jake's house for that week. <laughs> <laughs> or every week. So at, at the meeting at Jake's house, they discuss the, the mission to do something to this ship. And everybody's kind of just talking about how can we destroy it? How do we destroy this huge thing? And obviously, Marco is Marco and some of the others are against it completely because, like, how could we possibly fight this thing? It's bigger than half our town, you know? Well, what are we going to do? And somebody, who, who gets the bright idea to do this? Do you remember? Marco kind of comes up with the idea of, well, maybe instead of focusing on destroying the ship, we should focus on just revealing it if we could somehow uh screw up its its you know invisibility cloaking mechanism um and marco comes up with that idea and then uh jake is the one who submits their 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 actual plan yeah but that's what i'm saying like marco uh marco is part of this conversation about how to destroy it and he halfway says well why don't we just and then he stops because he's about to give a great plan that would put all their lives in danger uh, but he, he goes ahead and follows through after they push him a little bit. And he's he's saying, well, you know, we could wait till it's over the city and try to take out the stealth, reveal it to the world, reveal the Yerks to, you know, authorities and, and people who could actually take this fight away from us. Yeah. And in, in theory, that, you know, sounds like a pretty decent plan. I mean, if they reveal the Yerks now at this point in the game, uh, I'd say they'd, they'd probably be off the hook <laughs> no i completely disagree um and and it's cassie who says something along the lines of uh, uh they would have attacked openly if they could have that's how we know it's safe to you know go into open war because if the yurks were capable of wiping us out they would have just done that they would have just attacked us outright and i know this is using future knowledge but there are at least four books that say the only reason that the Yerks are being, you know, all sly and, and working in the shadows is because one Yerk made the decision for them to do that. Uh, and they would wipe out like half the population if they did. But there's a lot of Yerks who are fine with that. And they would completely win in a straight up fight with humans. So this is the worst idea the Animorphs have ever had. Literally, they <laughs> could they could literally wipe out the human uh, race if they decide something different here. Uh, real quick, did you say that Cassie said that? Cassie was arguing with Marco? No, no, no. I, I said that Cassie said that uh, they would have attacked openly if they could have. I thought she said oh, that. No, that it's Tobias who says that. Still, still, it's just a terrible plan. And I'm, you know, I, at this point, I'm just on the edge of my seat being like, huh. <laughs> Don't do this, guys. Is this the point where the Animorphs uh, destroy humanity? Possibly. Uh, the plan, by the way as uh jake points out is that they uh 
want to get inside the ship somehow and disable it. And uh, in, in order to do that, they are going to morph fish and get sucked up by the pipes in that mountain lake as the Yerks try draining it. Yeah, so not a bad plan. I mean, for what they're trying to do, the plan makes sense. Uh, Jake's, Jake's pretty good at coming up with those. Um, so they, they're all feeling pretty good about this. It's a real mission. You know, they haven't been that successful in their mission so far, but this one seems like they have a little intel that the Yerks don't don't know about. So so they're feeling pretty good. They all start heading off in directions. Uh, Jake and Marco kind of make a comment about uh, plans of video games or working on homework or something like that. The entire group uh, splits up, basically, and as you said, you know, Marco and Jake are going to play their video games, and as Rachel points out, she has a gymnastics event to be attending at the mall. And uh, Marco, you know, uh, he, he kind of goads her on a little bit by saying he's going to show up and, you know, watch her. And um, I, I I'd never really caught on to this before, but I'm I'm coming around more and more to the idea of this kind of love triangle sort of relationship forming between Marco, uh, Rachel, and Tobias. Who's shipping and, now? Who's shipping now? Yeah, well, <laughs> that should go on. A, that should go on a T-shirt. Who's shipping? No, I'm now? saying you. I'm saying you're the you're the shipper. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, Tobias and Rachel. That's that's kind of a given. Um, they're they're setting it up. You know, the from the beginning of couple. this book. But um, I, I just the the way I'm imagining it is Rachel is kind of torn between Tobias, the the boy she actually loves, who she can't really have, uh, at least at this point, just because of the anatomy involved. Whereas Marco is, you know, this good looking kind of cynical uh, bad boy. and and they they definitely have that that flirty sort of relationship where they never really act on anything but yeah well i mean i hate to reference books that we haven't gotten to yet but in this case i'll make the exception uh (laughs) in the uh in the megamorphs book where they redo everything uh where they don't meet the andalite and they're just normal kids without powers uh rachel and marco date for a while they're they're dating throughout that entire book. So, now who's shipping K.A. Applegate? Yeah, K.A. Applegate is <laughs> incredibly aware of our emotions and feelings towards these characters. And she's just manipulating them and just wringing her hands in evil delight. I'm saying it right now. I'm a huge fan of Marco and Cassie. Yeah. Well, we've actually had a couple <laughs> uh, emails about uh, my reference to the Jake and Tobias ship. So <laughs> apparently that's a popular one. <laughs> Some of those emails you can't share on the air. They're not appropriate. I can't share any of them. They were pretty racy, and there were pictures. Oh, boy. Here we go again. But with all the characters splitting up to go their various ways, uh, Jake kind of takes it upon himself to uh, make Tobias, you know, feel useful and and, and just kind of give him a little morale boost. So Jake asks Tobias to kind of scope out that mountain area again, you know, since he's got some free time available to him. And, uh, you know, see if he can't find a place for them to camp out for their their big fish mission. Fishing mission, I should say. Yeah, and he finds uh, he finds a cave that he thinks will work really well for them to kind of hide out uh, during the pre-staging events uh, when, when the Yorks get there and everything. So he's he's feeling pretty good. He, start head, he starts heading back to the city uh, or the main area where they all live. And at this point, this is probably the best he's felt since he was trapped he's actually in a pretty decent mood 
Yeah, well, and a part of that is now he's trying to focus on the good of being a hawk rather than the bad. And, and for him and probably for any kid who's, you know, 14 years old, he's thinking about all the free stuff he can do now, which is watch sporting events and outdoor concerts. and uh, You can go to the gardens uh, without having to pay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And ride roller coasters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's he's in a great mood. And all of this comes crashing down around both us, the audience, the readers, Tobias, the the you know, player, the Pemelites, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> yeah, this 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 ends already in tragedy. Uh, this little little moment of happiness as he kind of lets himself go to the flying, and and he's kind of lost in thought about how his life could be manageable. And the hawk just takes over for just a split second. That's all. Well, it takes. really, it's all that damn rat's fault for you know looking so tempting to and him plump. all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be walking down the street and I'll see a rat and I'll be like, "Damn you, you plump bastard! I just want to tear you apart." If only I were a hawk. Well, I, I wouldn't say that stopped me before. <laughs> I think we've all woken up in a back alley covered in rat blood at some point in our lives. <laughs> Twice this year. Twice this week. <laughs> Yeah, Tobias loses himself to the hawk's instincts, um, probably accidentally, um, and and finds himself, you know, hunting and and eating a rat. And he's horrified. He obviously breaks down, but it's mostly because of how good it tastes, because it's actually he's finally doing what his body has been just yearning for. So it's not it's not really a bad thing. It's not it's not he's not feeling bad. It's his human side that's feeling bad because he's feeling good about eating this rat. Yeah, well, when you've got a human brain and a bird brain occupying the same space. What? Where are you going with that? <laughs> it's not normal. It ain't It ain't natural. Well, with Tobias going crazy, because right now is his is lowest moment, absolute lowest moment. He, he no longer, he just wants out. He wants to be done with the hawk. So he, uh, naturally, like, like when most people go insane, he heads for them all. <laughs> yeah, he, he goes there at top speed. And it's, uh, it's really just him falling back into this pattern of uh, going to Rachel when he's feeling at his worst. And right now, even though he, I'm sure he's not thinking straight. I'm sure the hawk is still in there messing with him. Uh, but he's just flying top speed toward, towards her very public exhibition in the mall. Yeah, and you know, I've I've really got to give props to <clears throat> Miss Applegate for this. Mrs. I've really got to give props to K.A. Applegate for this. Mrs. K.A. Applegate. <laughs> I, I, I've got to give props to Katrina. Uh, <laughs> i got to give props to uh, K.A. Applegate for doing this and and not really pulling any punches um because this this is a very dark scene and it's it's going to get a whole lot darker so Tobias he's he's coming towards the mall and the first thing he does is head towards you know the front doors i mean he's, that's how he's going to get in and so he's heading towards these doors and his initial thought isn't how am i going to get in how am i going to get around this i'm going to wait for somebody to get he's just going towards them whatever happens happens and he's in a dive i mean he's going you know 60 70 miles an hour i don't know how fast red tails hawks get but he's going fast enough that he's not going to survive this a hard impact and luckily these first front doors are open uh by some 
bystander, and he shoots into the mall straight ahead. Tobias makes his way through the mall, kind of looking for Rachel, because he knows she's there for her gymnastics thing. He's frantic. He's losing his mind. He's just heading straight towards the center of the mall, which that happens to be where Rachel is at the moment. No, I, I think he's got a Rachel sonar detector, and he knows exactly where she is at all times. Yeah, she had a picture of him. He had a GPS planted on her backpack. So, you know, mutually exclusive love. Um, but yeah, he's he's breaking through. He's passing the Gap. He's passing all these other stores. I'm sure the reprint uh, changed Barnes & Noble for Walden Books or, or whatever. Um, and And finally, he gets to the center of the mall where she is right up there on the balance beam showing off for... It seems like hundreds of people are watching this gymnastics event. <laughs> yeah, and she she recognizes almost immediately that it's Tobias, and I, I believe he even thought speaks to her. I think he's just I think he's just flying at top speed. He's it's like he's not he's not there to see her. Like he went in that direction obviously because he's in love with her or whatever. Uh, but um, he almost ignores her. He flies right past her and goes towards a wall and then flies back. But he does say, "I killed." You don't understand, Rachel. I'm lost. I killed. Yeah, when he falls. So so he's flying towards her. He sees her, eventually. <laughs> Tobias is flying around the mall all frantically, and, and he, he finally sees Rachel, and she's up on the balance beam. And there's a moment where he, uh, he, he falls out of the sky, and she kind of dramatically catches him and before tossing him back up into the air. And uh, this is the point when Tobias, you know, confides in her that he did it. He, he killed, finally. He hunted, and... And, uh, you know, he's he's just terrified. It's a weird relationship they have in the sense that, I mean, this is, I don't know about you, but middle school or, or early high school, uh, I didn't share a lot of secrets with the girl I was crushing on. You know, I was trying to make myself look good to her. But he's he immediately, he goes straight to her. He reveals what just became his deepest, darkest secret. And, uh, and yeah, she tries to console him before... Um, before you know kind of throwing him up in the air so he can get out without people grabbing him and making it look like uh like he's yeah she tries to make it look like <laughs> like she's throwing him away because she's scared but in reality she's throwing him to safety in what i would say is is one of the darkest moments of the series so far um you have tobias flying towards a skylight in the mall and it's it's glass obviously and all he can see above is the sky and the hawk's instincts are just just running amok in his mind right now and all he wants to do is be in that sky and the the boy in him knows that it's a glass window and he knows full well what's going to happen when he runs into this glass pane but he just doesn't care at this point and it's it's a full-blown suicide attempt basically it's not it's not like the front door where uh, I guess in the back of his mind, you know, someone could open it or something. This isn't going to move. He's going to hit it, and he has all intention of hitting it. Until a uh, well-timed baseball uh, kind of <laughs> breaks the ceiling apart, and we get a, a one-sentence reveal that it was Marco who ended up throwing the ball. So I guess Marco did follow through with his uh, teasing and taunting of Rachel, saying that he was going to come watch her uh, gymnastics event. And luckily he did. Um, so I guess the moral of the story is that it's a good thing Marco's kind of a horn dog. Or, for you, I guess the new crowd of giggling teenage girls who have joined our podcast because we're talking about shipping every five seconds. Um, 
you could take that as Marco was actually just there to support her and he had to do it in secret because he knew that she wouldn't take him seriously. Uh, but he, he was there watching her, you know, he just wanted to see her perform and do a good job. And then he was there to save Tobias's life. So Marco's really, you can call him an, uh, you can call him an asshole all day long. He's, he is the, he's the white knight of the series. <laughs> yeah. Except that he is a complete and utter dick to Tobias at every chance he gets here, but <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. And, uh, he's going to, you know, berate him for being trapped in a bird body but at the same time he's going to save his life you know what but as as is mentioned in multiple times in in this book and uh in later one uh later ones um marco is also appreciated by tobias for for being able to joke about his tragedy and it, it makes tobias feel better all the time that is true and um well anyway the glass is shattered, and Tobias luckily escapes with his life. Although, you know, golfer clap here for K. Applegate, uh, accurately depicting a uh, suicide attempt from this boy stuck in the body of a hawk. I'm not sure a lot of people saw that coming, really. Yeah, for for this scene where it's a a kid trapped as a hawk, flying through the mall, which could be pretty silly in general. Uh, it plays pretty real. I mean, it's it's his what he's feeling, what he's talking about. Um, it's it it plays like a depressed kid who just doesn't have any other options, doesn't want to live with what he's done, and can't see past, uh, you know, the short period of life that he's already lived. And that's I think that relates to a lot of people, relates to some things in my life when I was that age. So and it hits pretty close to home. It's definitely not a comedic moment. No, and he, I love the uh, sentence that this chapter ends on. It's it's a narration by Tobias, and the last sentence is, uh, Tobias, a boy whose face I could no longer remember, no longer existed. Well, after Tobias loses himself and goes crazy here, uh, he goes off to live as a hawk for a while. He, he just decides, you know, he's done. <laughs> yeah, he actually goes back to the meadow where he did, where he had his first kill. And uh, he he lives there for what do you think a couple days, couple weeks? Uh, yeah, I think he mentions that he's there for a week. Yeah, because he's before the mission. Or about a week. Yeah, it's leading up to the mission. So yes, and um, this is a this is an interesting chapter because not only is he going crazy to go live as a hawk, but um, what eventually snaps him out of it is that he he sees a uh, a hork bajir chasing a human and. Um, at first, you know, with being in his bird brain mode, all he sees is a uh, predator chasing prey. But, you know, the human side quickly comes around and he realizes this is this is a hork controller here. And uh, he realizes that it's it's not all about, you know, animals needing to, to hunt prey for, for a living. This uh, this yerk situation is, is nothing like that. And that's ultimately what snaps him out of this this hawk funk and sends him back to his friends. Yeah. And off screen, um, which we hear about here in a moment, he, he helps this guy even further. He, he leads him away from the hork He thought speaks him, uh, telling him where to go and that he should keep quiet. And this is all revealed in the next scene where he, you know, reveals himself back to Rachel after being gone for so long. Um, and she's obviously worried and yelling at him for all that, but he, he tells her that he helped this guy. And it made him, you know, really realize that 
no matter how far he goes and how much he lives like a hawk, which he's accepted living like a hawk now, he's going to continue killing and eating and living in a meadow and a tree and all of that. Uh, even if he can, even if his body's doing all that, he, I think he's got it ingrained in his mind that he is who he is. He's human. He's Tobias. And that's, that's a big turn for this book and his character and plays out through the rest of the series. Well said. I try to have those moments of insight. I think I've had a couple now. I'm trying. Tobias makes it back just in time for their pre-planned mission. An important part that I wanted to bring up. Um, Go for it. At the end of this, uh, at the end of this Rachel visit, uh, I think we've been talking about this through the first two episodes, and this is really important for this episode too. Is that this is the moment where Tobias gets his reason to fight the Yerks as well? It's not just his reason for, uh, you know, holding on to his humanity, but he explains to her. Uh, when he saw that hork go after that human, uh, he realized that every controller has both the Yurk in their mind and it also has the original host, the body, the person who was, uh, you know, who was turned over to that controller, who was taken over. They're still there and they're trapped. They can't do anything. They can't move. They can only see the actions of their controller. So he f- realized that and he can relate to it. And he, he says that's his reason to fight the Yerks now. So if each if each of these beginning books are revealing uh, one by one their reason for sticking to the fight and, and fighting this war, here's Tobias's. He he re- he empathizes with uh, hosts. Yeah, he's definitely the one that probably has the uh, biggest reason to fight. Just you know, with being trapped in the body of an animal, he doesn't have much else to do at the moment. Yeah, he he could go live as a bird, but I mean. Why? <laughs> what kind of life would that be? Yeah, and he has he has his reason to fight now, and that's uh, it's gonna make him a contributor. So now you can talk about the mission. Awesome. The mission starts, and uh, Tobias manages to lead everyone to the uh, bear cave that he discovered in the mountains, and uh, you know everyone's quite worried that there's going to be something in the bear cave, but possibly a bear to point out. <laughs> yeah, possibly a bear or a skunk or anything. But uh, Tobias is quick to point out that it's empty. Don't worry, everybody. And uh, this time, because they they know that, you know, as, as wolves, they can't carry anything with them because that would look very conspicuous. So they outfit Tobias with a small pouch, um, like a little like a little tan pouch that I think they strap onto his leg. And it's got a watch and some fishing lines and hooks in it and a uh, small lighter, which I don't think they do anything with. So these are the tools that they have. And uh, their plan now is <laughs> just to catch some fish, which I thought was kind of a ridiculous part of the plot. Why wouldn't they have acquired fish before going up there? Why, why would Either they... way, they got to get a fish and they will, they have to specifically get, you know, like a trout or something that can you know, do well in this environment. You can't just get, you know, goldfish or anything. No, and I'm not saying that. I'm saying they should have just gone. And here's another thing. I, I They they point out at some point or, or something, they can't acquire DNA from a dead animal, can they? No, definitely no. not. No, no, no. Hmm. All right, well, that ruins that idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, you know, this isn't, this isn't Minnesota, bro. This is Northern California. So you can't just go down to the old fishery and grab a bagel and the hatchery uh, yeah you can't <laughs> those are it's right down the road from me exactly so they're they're playing this one by ear and 
while I still think that they could have perhaps found the time to acquire some kind of freshwater fish this is locally. All, this is really all Cassie's fault because <laughs> no, I'm serious because <laughs> because they get down there and the majority of them are like, oh, this is a good part of the plan. We can just catch a fish and none of them have ever fished before. They all think it'll be easy. And once they're already down there and they're, you know, hooking the line onto the hook and getting ready to fish, Cassie's like, well, I don't know, guys. It's actually a lot harder than you think it is. Why are you telling us this now? Where have you been with that information, <laughs> Cassie? What the hell? <laughs> that is true. And yet, Cassie is also the uh, first one who manages to catch a fish. <laughs> yeah, luckily, she's got some skills uh, to bring to the table, because otherwise they just boot her out of the animals. She does, which is kind of weird that, you know, she's the animal expert of the group, like, and yet she's also the fisherman of the group? <laughs> you know, well, she's country. She's she's used to living out in the woods and doing things like that. That's, that's what she's sure. into. You know she was that girl back in middle school who, if you said the wrong thing to the teacher or, or something, she would correct you before the teacher could. Like, she was that girl. Just incredibly annoying and, you know, I don't know. Except she knows about raccoon poop. So that's the difference. <laughs> well, everybody's, you know, fishing and hanging out and enjoying the, the lovely mountain scenery. And Tobias takes to the skies to kind of scout things out as he usually does. And uh, he runs into his lady hawk friend again and uh, uh, winks at her or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, finally, uh, this is when the controllers start to show up once again and tobias quickly warns everyone that you know they've, they've got to hide in the cave quick because there's helicopters showing up and, yeah uh, and the, he notices that uh they're starting to open fire on random wildlife around the lake so this puts a little hamper on their pro on their plan bad guys are there controllers are there they're shooting at any animal that moves um and I, they, they make a point to mention that they they one of the controllers almost vaporizes a deer with a Dracon beam. Well, he, he vaporizes half of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, they didn't want to, you know, overkill it. So only half the deer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Cassie's, Cassie's quick to point out as, as Tobias is warning all of his friends that the controllers have arrived. He's, he's like, yeah, they even Dracon a deer. And Cassie's like, oh, poor deer. Deer's never hurt anybody. <laughs> Yeah, she's ripped out like three Horkvajir throats at this point. Oh, no, she hasn't. A horse morph. Never mind. Um, she's just eaten an entire police officer. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't a deer. I mean, no, anyway, but so yeah, to Tobias, he gets back and he warns them that security is overhauled. I mean, it's way too tight. They're looking for anything, any bug, bird, deer that moves. They're. Oh, speaking of overhauled security, uh, the blade ship arrives. Of and course, of course, it does. with it comes Visor Three. Of course. <laughs> and this is the point where you know they start to debate. Obviously, with the arrival of Visor Three, things have changed a bit, and they start to debate about whether or not they should go through with the plan. But pretty much everybody is still on board, surprisingly, except for Tobias. Yeah, he's just getting too worried, and he's kind of the cause of this ramped up security because he helped that one guy get away. 
So yeah, and I think also just the fact that he, he feels that he's not going to be able to help anybody, and he doesn't want to be guilty because this is sort of his mission that he's led everyone on. But they come up with an insane idea, um, as Marco would put it, to go ahead and morph <laughs> the fish out of water, and have Tobias fly them one by one through the cave entrance, past all the security and be dropped torpedo-esque into the lake. I don't see anything insane about that. I think it's perfectly normal as well. It just makes sense. I think Kay Applegate is overreacting with her (laughs) adjectives. But, yeah, so so they they begin initializing this this insane plan or as some yeah and it. uh you know since cassie's the one who uh suggests the plan she's the one who morphs the uh fish first just like she morphed the wolf first actually yeah she's except, kind of their except their this go-to time morpher except this time as a fish she doesn't try to attack and kill all of them so that's a that's a plus on her on her end she's... no she does it's just far less threatening <laughs> she splashes them those trout instincts man yeah they're crazy natural born killers yeah so as you know they're they're one by one getting dropped into this lake it's going pretty well it's going not bad surprisingly uh, yeah but we get back we get down to a single anamorph left it's of course surprise surprise it's rachel and <laughs> they hear some uh talking and some banter out in the bushes leading into the cave and who shows up but i two characters who i wish could remain throughout the rest of the series oh they need a spin-off just the the wacky human and hork bajir pair <laughs> that's what i wrote down <laughs> in my notes i wrote down the exact same thing i wrote down the hilarious adventures of human controller and hork bajir controller dude no even better throw in a taxon just one taxon and uh, make it a uh, Three Stooges parody. No, no, no. It would be like, no, no, no. It'd be like, uh, it'd be the three of them living together, like I said earlier, in like an apartment complex or something. And the hork <laughs> and the controller would constantly be, you know, arguing about everything. And, and they'd be making fun of each other or whatever. And then at the end of every episode, the Taxon would come out and be like, you guys are making too much noise. And they'd be like, and oh, the, the entire studio audience would cheer and applaud <laughs> at his arrival. Yeah, but this this banter between them two is is pretty funny, and it makes zero sense because it's it's two yurks. It's not a horkbajir and a human. It's two yurks, and yet the horkbajir yurk is acting all dumb and brutish and like making fun of the human for being puny. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's at that point, it's just because the horkbajir controller can slice through the brush so easily and yeah. the human controller's kind of giving him you know the wait what's he giving him he's giving him the business yeah and i think uh i think with yurks <laughs> and their entire lifestyle maybe they do start to take on some traits of their host body just because they're so you know they're so enveloped uh, they're so attached yeah i mean they're 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 so close to their host uh the host of the most uh, <laughs> that they that they take on some attributes maybe and that's that's where we get this awesome awesome pairing uh coming in crashing into this cave <laughs> right oh yeah that's what's happening so uh with with these these controllers moving in on them you know that that spurns them along and tobias has to uh pick up rachel mid morph she's not even completely morphed into the trout at this point and he's got to fly her straight out through the cave, right past the controllers, and drop her in the lake. Which he manages to do, except that uh, one of the controllers, the hork controller, manages to fire at him with a Dracon beam. And this is uh, 
not good for anybody, really. No. <laughs> definitely not good for the hork controller and definitely not good for the Animorphs. Yeah, the Dracon Beam passes him. It hits the bottom of this you know, super carrier truck uh, ship from the beginning. And this causes the Yerks to uh, all kind of huddle up uh, around Visitor 3. And uh, I assume the hork gets killed. But before that, uh, he mentions it, uh, he mentions that a hawk was acting strange, and this is corroborated by another human controller, and it's also corroborated. It's also said by someone else who saw him earlier, right at the beginning of uh, this mission. And so, then all the Yerks just pan out looking for, a, you know, looking for a hawk to go after, and they they find him. Uh, yeah, but way before all that happens, uh, <laughs> we've got all the animorphs in trout morph in the water. And uh, they're they're swimming about and kind of getting used to the, the animal instincts, which there really aren't that many instincts for a trout. Um, they just kind of mentioned that, you know, the eyesight is not very good, but it's not a very uncomfortable morph, other than the fact that they can't stop thinking about, you know, the fact that they could be fried with a side of tartar sauce and some lemon. Yeah. It's, uh, that's kind of disturbing. But... Um, all the Animorphs, aside from Tobias, are in the lake, and they're ready to start checking out this uh, giant straw that's basically draining the lake. And um, this is when Tobias flies off and notices the little Yerk controller powwow going on, and he also notices Visor 3 just being an ass and uh, killing the hork controller for his mistake of firing at the ship. After he sees all this, uh, he, he heads back to his friends, who... Start one by one shooting up the tube and into the main body of the uh, Yerk supercarrier truck thing uh, ship. We can just call it a truck ship. <laughs> I like I like my name. Um, supercarrier Ultimo. Super Voltron truck. <laughs> we'll just call it the Nostromo. The um, Nost. <laughs> but anyway, um, so they they one by one go shooting up this roller coaster ride of a straw into the into the truck ship and as they get there they see that well there's not a lot of water and there's a lot of space and there could be a way into the ship through a grate in the ceiling but they're going to wait for the water to rise quite a bit before they can get there yeah yeah and that's kind of unfortunate for tobias who at the moment is uh kind of just flying around and um this is also the point when visitor three decides to dispatch some helicopters and some bug fighters into the sky specifically to find the bird that is, well, acting like an Andalite warrior, basically. Yeah, and they, they find him. That's, that's not too hard. That's, once they get coordinated and they, you know, start looking in the right places, they, they catch him pretty quick. Um, and there's not a lot he can do here. He's kind of trapped. And as There's not a lot that he can do, but there is one thing that uh, he, he finds, manages to, to give him a little bit of safety, at least for a little while. And that is uh, by landing on the giant truck ship where they don't dare shoot at. Yeah, they saw what happened to the hork who hit it with a tiny Dracon beam. So they're not about to start firing their main cannons at it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, As he's trying to figure out his next move, uh, sitting on top of this giant ship and you know, bug fighters and helicopters are kind of just hovering all around him. Uh, he gets back in contact with uh, the rest of the Animorphs, who they've gotten to the Great, this this savior uh, of theirs that was supposed to lead them into the bridge of the ship, 
and it's completely locked off not not getting through it they they have no way to get into it yeah and uh again i think it's worth mentioning that it's uh this warning this uh this update is coming from rachel and uh she's she's basically just telling them that you know things are not going well and they're stuck in the tank and the hatch won't open and they're afraid that they're going to get stuck in the ship, you know, when it goes back to the, the Yerk headquarters, Yerk HQ. And to, uh, I like what Kay Applegate did here to, you know, it's been a pretty dark book. It's been pretty, uh, pretty morose and crestfallen throughout most of the book. And I guess just to lighten the mood, she went ahead and had all the, all the Animorphs uh, tell Tobias to go ahead and kill them so they can't be captured. <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, it makes sense. Rachel's like... You know, we we don't want to be made into controllers. You you got to do something. If you can destroy the ship, go for it. And you know what? Uh, there there's another line here that I I almost kind of uh, shuddered as I read over just because of the cliche of it. I I thought this line was very cliche. But you have Tobias and Rachel in what they assume is going to be their last communication for a while. We have Tobias start out this sentence. I never told you, dot, dot, dot. And Rachel replies, you didn't have to. I knew. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a mixture of uh, Han Solo and 50 romantic comedies all thrown into one. Kind of. Um, And, I, you know, I guess it makes sense given their their interaction (laughs) up until this point in the series. But a little cliche. Yeah, I would have liked uh, I would have liked a little more playing off of the fact that they're teenagers and kind of had maybe some kind of awkward goodbye um where even even if they flat out i think it could have been i think a writer of the caliber of k applegate could have pulled off something where they actually say like i love you to each other and it's just like awkward teenager i love you goodbye or something but i don't know she should have uh she should have passed tobias a note that read will you go out with me yes no maybe circle one no it would have just been tobias being like if I were human and I wasn't about to die, I would have asked you to homecoming. And then she says, and then she says, you didn't have to, I know. So, so yeah, a desperate attempt by the Animorphs. I mean, it's crazy of them to even ask Tobias to do this, because what's he going to do? I mean, come on. He's Birdmorph. He's technically the weakest Animorph at this point, just because he can't really <laughs> jump into battle. Um, and they ask him to take out this humongous Delaware-sized ship. So the the Animorphs uh, that are stuck inside the tank ship have to have to demorph now because um, they're worried about their their chances as trout, <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to demorph and lose communication with Tobias. And uh, and as they do this, Tobias is basically cut off now, and you know his his friends' lives are on the line. So he's really got nothing to lose at this point. And uh, luckily, he's he's spurned into action here by, uh, as he's sitting there reveling in his safety, uh, a couple of taxons start filing out on top of the ship where he's he's sitting, he's perched right now, to, to retrieve him. And uh, he manages to, to fly low enough to avoid anybody shooting at him and uh, he snags a Dracon beam from one of the Taxons. Yeah, the Taxons are pretty weak in general. And every time they're sent out by themselves to take on one of the Animorphs, they get just slaughtered. And, and, you know, in this instance, they make an even bigger party foul and they let him get a weapon. Uh, he, he grabs the Dracon beam and, and hugging the top of the ship so that the uh, 
the fighters and the helicopters still can't fire on him. He heads straight to the bridge at the other end of the at the end of the bow or starboard side or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and once he gets there, uh, this is maybe one of the little sillier parts of this book. Uh, he he sees the taxons. He sees the uh, controllers inside on the bridge controls, and he just He's hanging out. Yeah, and he and they look at him. He looks at them. And he just starts firing wildly, and he says, he takes out like everybody on the bridge, and starts. Uh, oh, it, it 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 cuts through this ship like butter, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he hits the controls, and I don't know, I don't know that much about intergalactic travel and spaceships and and engineering them, but I'm pretty sure there's probably enough fail safes that if something goes down or is you know broken, it doesn't blow the ship up. <laughs> you know, especially well, how, these are just the, these are just the controls. These he's not he's not firing into the core reactor or anything. He's shooting the controls. It shouldn't well, it shouldn't blow the ship up. <laughs> and how strong are these Dracon beams? Apparently, they're just slicing through walls. And <laughs> he must have he must have held down the button. Oh, he's yeah. He says he's he's squeezing it. You know, and uh, hawk talons aren't exactly made for firing a gun. It's like Gantz guns. Points out. <laughs> <laughs> So he's he's carving this yerk ship apart. <laughs> yeah, single handedly. Uh, single single talonly manages to to bring down the ship on his on his own. Yeah, and this uh, I guess the pressure built up from every single part of the ship exploding uh makes the side blow out where all the water's being held. And... Well, he runs into a helicopter and a bug fighter. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, doesn't it he does something where it makes the bug fighter crash into the side. Just just knocking out the ship's control console, I guess, is enough to make it crash into this nearby hovering helicopter and bug fighter, which then tears a giant gash in the side of the ship, releasing all the water and the anamorphs, who are, you know, human currently. And uh they're just kind of free falling at the moment. Yeah. And I guess I guess the ship's not hovering over the lake particularly anymore. Because... It, it probably lists to the side or something, but but yeah. they start falling out and they're like you said, completely free falling and Tobias kinda just writes them off. I mean he's like, Oh I didn't think that they'd be that way. I didn't I didn't know that would happen and he's he doesn't hold out much hope for them being able to do anything but fall well, to the yeah, ground. Well, yeah, he knows die. he can't do anything. He's not going to airlift, you know, any human to safety. Yeah, but luckily, and not, well, not luckily, skillfully, the Animorphs uh, immediately start turning into their respective bird morphs, and they barely make it out uh, into oh, yeah, the tree it's, line. It's quite dramatic. Yeah, I was... This one page where they're falling slash morphing. I was on the edge of my whatever I was sitting on while I was reading it. Toilet you probably. seat. um but yeah so they they make it out alive the day is saved and uh right when you think okay happy ending you know what you turn this one around applegate thank you (laughs) kudos yeah tobias looks over he sees the female hawk who he's kind of been falling for the whole book you know at least his at least his hawk side and just wanting to be near it and possibly find a mate in it and as he sees it, the Yurks are still going crazy, and, and probably more crazed by the fact that, you know, the Andalite bandits are nearby. It's confirmed their ship is falling to the ground because of them. Uh, so they're they're still in kill everything mode. They're going. They're I'm sure they killed like 15 more deer, or at least cut them in half or something. Um, 
and, and eradicated all deer. Yeah, or at least the hindquarters of all of them. Jocassi was super sad, but <laughs> but he sees his his possible mate, this hawk who he saved at the beginning of the book, and in true Yerk fashion, and I would say in true Applegate fashion, uh, his hopes, our dreams, are blown out of the sky by a Dracon beam, and just it's slaughtered. Absolutely slaughtered. I, I'm not even sure I get the uh, the meaning behind doing this from a writing perspective. I think Kay Applegate just doesn't want us to be happy. <laughs> now, I, I think it's very uh, very symbolic, I guess, because this, this lady hawk kind of represented, you know, Tobias's animal side and, and his freedom, I guess. And just seeing that, you know, the Yerks blow up everything. They, they take everything away from everyone. It, it's just, you know, it's that one last little nail in the coffin here. Yeah, but don't you think it takes away from his growth in this book? No, not at all. It definitely had to happen. Don't you think it takes away at all from his character growth in this book? The fact that uh, it wasn't him putting the hawk aside. It, it wasn't him being tempted by uh, this life with this, uh, with this female hawk and him turning away from it and embracing his human side. It was... He had no choice. She was disintegrated. Um, no, not really. I, I, I like that this <laughs> random animal died. I think it was a, a, a good little wake up call for Tobias, and it, it, it just kind of eliminated that entire option for him of like thinking that he could retreat to this this safe hawk life and you know kind of have this mate to be with or anything like that. Um. And it was just a nice dose of reality in this sci-fi alien series. Thinking about this, getting in depth, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to go too far into this because this is, that would be insanely spoilerish. But um, you could say that there's a path here that he chooses not to go down, and it's reflected. This choice is reflected throughout the rest of the series, and that uh, he could have gone there. He could have gone and lived and embraced his hawk side and lived with his female. But uh, I would say that he chooses uh, he chooses the other female. He chooses his humanity side and and who his human side wants to be with. And uh, Marco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's kind of this kind of mirrors towards the end of the series. Um, certain events. So when he's dating Marco. Yeah, and Marco <laughs> gets Drake on beamed in the face. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to be too spoilerish. For all those for all those new Animorphs readers out there who are listening to the Animorphs podcast, I don't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you and I are at least partially in that category. Yeah, somewhat, I guess, a little bit. Uh, but anyway, so so all of this, uh, the the death of the the mate, the or the possible mate. Uh, this is this is the topic of choice for the third and final visit to Rachel here at the end the, the last scene of the book yeah we get a little bit of a, a wrap up from tobias's perspective it's basically just him explaining that you know the truck ship is destroyed slash kind of removed uh, by the yurks to to cover their tracks i don't know how uh every single media outlet in the world managed to miss this gigundo aircraft carrier sized uh spaceship <laughs> crashing into a this is the 90s into a they were watching. Oh. Uh, they were watching the you know Summer Olympics and and the Bill Clinton scandal. So they were they were pretty busy. 
here's the reason why I like um this this female hawk dying. Um, it's because when Tobias goes back to see Rachel here in the end, um, you know, she's still trying to be very sensitive to him and, and, and she understands what this hawk means to him and what she represented to him. So she, you know, does the human thing and offers, uh, her and, and, and Cassie and maybe probably Jake had, uh, had talked about it and they were willing to, uh, help Tobias out by maybe going back up to the mountain and, and looking for this hawk's body to give it a, a proper burial and um Tobias kind of he turns her down and and <laughs> basically states that's not not really necessary um for one thing you know her her little hawk body has probably been torn apart by or torn apart by all the wild predators that are already out there and that and he just he realizes that that's a very human thing to do and it's uh it's not necessary yeah, so he he embraces humanity, and going forward in the series, he's still Tobias, the red-tailed hawk, but he is more so uh, a real part of the team and and uh, you know fighter for humanity. I think it's because he he knows where who he is and he knows where he stands. So it's a great little ending right there. Great, I love I love any book that ends in a conversation instead of you know some big fight. Yeah, definitely, and. Um... I think what we really get here at the end is Tobias completely coming into his his position and his situation and and learning to be okay with it. He's he's gonna you know he's gonna be more hawk like now because he has to, and um, he he mainly just doesn't want people to feel sorry for his situation anymore. Yeah, so that's a good point. That's uh that's the end of book three, the encounter. Uh, great great book. I think we both agree that we really enjoy it but let's uh let's move into our individual reviews where we take a moment you know tell our thoughts our critiques of the books and and give it a score out of five and see where it stands up against the books we've read so far so you want to lead us off with that as always i gotta start us out well you should talk more at the end of the episode maybe you could switch it around (laughs) (laughs) nonsense are you kidding me uh well i i don't have a whole lot of bad things to say about this book um it 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 wrapped up every question i had about you know how this one character who's trapped in the body of a bird is going to going to play out for the rest of the series and it uh it it answered pretty much every question about tobias that it needed to at least at this point anyway um and you know any book that's that's daring enough to be published by scholastic and put into elementary schools that depicts a a child deciding on suicide um that's that's some heavy subject uh material and i think this book does it very well um as far as the actual plot goes uh there's there's some meandering there he he goes to see rachel quite a bit um but i guess that's all part of the character development between the two of them which is kind of necessary yeah for for this being an animorphs book um the whole concept of of morphing into an animal is uh pretty central to the series and i think for for having the only character who can't morph at this point um it it still managed to put tobias in enough of the action to where it's uh you don't feel like you're you're missing out on any you know good morphing action since he's he's 
observing everybody else doing it. And it's just an interesting perspective that I don't think we get through any of the other characters. All right, so what's your score? What are you, what are you giving this final say? You know, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I would give it maybe a lower score if I had more, you know, constructive criticisms of it and, and, and bad things to say about it. But really, I don't have anything bad to say. I mean, I enjoyed the crap out of the book as I was reading it, didn't want to put it down. And to me, that that gives it a a definite high rating of a five out of five possible Sears. Wow, yeah, five out of five. I actually, uh, I knew you were coming close to that score, but yeah, it's, I, I get why you did it. That's it's a great book. And from my perspective, I, I love the Tobias stuff in this book. I think it's great. I think we needed an entire book from his like you said, his perspective, this this person who can't morph, and we needed to have his tragedy, him getting stuck in this hawk morph, we needed to be real. We needed to connect a face to it, because otherwise I think it'd be incredibly easy for Tobias to fall off as a side character or as their scout or whatever. But by having this whole book focused on him and having him anchored to a character like Rachel, who I think a lot of fans this early on in the series kind of get on board with, because she's the Xena warrior princess of the series, uh, by having him connected to her through a relationship or just their friendship or whatever, um, it makes Tobias more likable. It makes him more grounded and, and, and allows an entire book to be around him. So everything with the depression and the suicidal tendencies, uh, it, excellent. It's, it reaches easily with the best stuff in the entire series is this book. It's not, it's not like The Visitor last time. I had a lot of problems with The Visitor. This I have barely any problems with. I'd say the only things that really kind of irked me were the fact that uh, with the stealth ship and with the Rachel visits, we kind of get into this pattern of repetition. It's it's not too bad, but we do keep coming back to these same set pieces over and over again uh, with the you know, controllers taking over the woods and, and, you know, these are split up by these great Tobias moments and him saving the human and all these other points, but... I do think the main plot of them taking out this carrier uh, isn't all it could have been. And the lead up to that and Jake's plan and all that and, and them talking about it works really well. But I think the actual action scenes and, and how it goes down just wasn't as interesting for me. But overall, still a really, really great book. One of the best in the series. I don't think as a new reader or as an old reader, you can skip it. Uh, it's essential. For my rating, I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, four out of five half deer carcasses. Um, I think it deserved it. I think it's, like I said, one of the best in the series. And a four out of five. I think it deserves all the half deer carcasses. I think it deserves almost a full deer, but we're not there yet. Uh, the Yurks won't allow it. But Only only five halves. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it definitely stands, stands high. It flies high, you might even say. Yeah. So... So okay, so that yeah, that's that's our that's our review of uh, the encounter. Now, real quick, I'd like to recognize uh, an email that we got specifically about this book. And if you want to email us at thoughtspeakcast at gmail dot com, you can get your emails read on the air as well. Uh, I'm gonna email you. Yeah, we want we want our audience to participate and tell us their thoughts on upcoming books. So. So this is from Joe Fedowa. He writes in saying, Hey guys, love the show! Exclamation point. He really likes the show. Uh, <laughs> I thought I would break the seal on email comments. I remember book three and most Tobias books being very good. Getting inside the head of someone who is stuck as a hawk was very interesting. The other thing I remember 
most from this book is the crazy way it starts. Seems like K.A. liked to start these books with YOLO moments. Keep up the good work on a great show. <laughs> P.S. If you guys are looking for any Animorphs gear, I have a store. All of the designs are made by me. Check it out! Exclamation point. Uh, and the the link to that I'll put in the show notes. But it's uh, escafilshop.spreadshirt.com, and it's got a it's got a couple of really cool shirts on there. I think I checked it out. Yeah, and there are some cool ones. Yeah, particularly there was one I saw that was uh, it was like Welcome to the Sharing or something. Um, that was that was pretty awesome. So I saw a shirt design. I'm not sure if it's it's uh, on that gentleman's particular store, but um, <laughs> there was a, a, a shirt design for a. Uh, it had a. This is a reference to a later book, by the way. But it had a, an outline of a dolphin with uh, Tobias the Hawk riding on top of it, and the caption read, um, "Dolphin Rodeo. It's got potential," which is a uh, quote that a lot of fans love <laughs> quoting over and over again. Yeah. Um, it's one of the more humorous moments. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah, that's uh, that is our third episode. I think we're I think we're wrapped up. I don't think we can squeeze anything more out about this book if we wanted to. I concur. Book three in the can. I loved it. And you know what? I can't wait for book four. Thanks for listening to Thought Speak. I uh, wanted to let everybody know that next week we probably won't be airing an episode. Uh, Mitch here decided to get married and ruin our podcast. So. Yes. My bad. <laughs> yeah, so he's getting married next weekend, and I'm flying up to Minnesota uh, to fulfill my best man duties. And, yeah, I, I just don't think we'll be able to put out an episode. But the week after, uh, look forward to an extra long episode. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you can follow the show by liking our Facebook or following us on Twitter at MorphCast. You can send us your questions or comments, as I said, by emailing thoughtspeakcast at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes and Stitcher so more people can find out about it and join the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. I'm Coleman. And I'm Mitchell, and oh man, next time, our first Cassie book. Oh, I don't know, we might might skip the message. (laughs) 